Warning. 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 Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? It's the Police Officers Association of Michigan podcast radio show, recorded live from our studios in Redford, Michigan. Home is a full-service labor organization formed to provide every labor-related service from negotiations, grievance processing, legal and legislative representation to Act 312 arbitrations. Hi, this is Ed Jocks on the Michigan Police Information Network, and I'm joined today in the studio by uh, two guests. The first is Douglas Gucher. Uh, Doug is the uh, Assistant General Counsel for the Police Officers Association of Michigan. And also joining us is Kevin Loftus. Uh, Kevin is a POEM business agent, research analyst, and also a former president of the Oak Park Public Safety Officers Association. Our topic today is going to be uh, retiree health care. Uh, Doug, a lot of questions have been coming into the POEM office from retirees, and they're inquiring about changes to their health care coverage. Uh, what should they know before they make that call? They really should look at the collective bargaining agreement that they retired under uh, and have the specific language uh, that governs their retirement benefits handy when they make the phone call to find out about potential changes or actual changes that have been made to their benefits. Yeah. And we may want to talk about uh, um, some words that are, are important to look at. Similar coverage if, a, if a, a collective bargaining agreement calls for similar coverage to what they had or to what current <clears throat> employees had uh, or equivalent is not the same as the exact same coverage that you get when you retire. Well, that's true, but the issue is a little bit broader than that. What, what initially happens is when they, they sit down and negotiate their contract, they have to negotiate the specific language they want um, in order to ensure that they receive the benefit levels that they they want when they retire. Uh, in talking to Kevin um, about this issue, as Kevin was a, a plaintiff in a case out in Oak Park, uh, and he's also a business agent uh, who's negotiating these contracts, as Kevin has indicated, you have to sit down at the table and get language that you're willing to live with in retirement. So yeah, there's different variations of, of language that you'll see for retiree benefits. There's 400, over 450 groups I think POEM represents, and each of those groups have a current collective bargaining agreement which outlines the retirement benefits for potential or future retirees. But we also have thousands of retired uh, officers out there who retired under many different contracts and those lang the language that's in those contracts are different than the contracts that are currently in place in, in many cases so you, you have to look at the specific language in that contract there are going to be some um, the more common language that you'll see is that the individual retiree received the retirement benefits at the same level uh, that they had at the data separation if that's the case then what you're talking about is the level of benefits that you're going to receive should be the same as when you leave your employer. If it says that it's uh, tied to what active employees are currently receiving, then what you're going to get is every time there's a change to those benefits, you're going to get what those active employees are receiving. Uh, you know, so sometimes you got to look at what the contract actually says, not what you think it says. Uh, Kevin, uh, you've been around for a long time, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, uh, language and some contracts that we still have out there that. Uh, may be changed to where uh, during the negotiation process in the late 80s or early 90s, uh, people were 
uh, negoti- uh, or uh, the language for retiree health care would say that uh, all employees get what active employees get because there was improvements being made to the health care packages. That's changed, obviously, in the last 10 or 12 years. Can you comment a little bit about it? That's obviously correct. And what was happening, and it's probably affecting a lot of the retirees who are retired today, is in the 80s and uh, probably going back to the early 80s, uh, the active employees were receiving benefits that the retirees didn't have. The retirees enjoyed that language that they would maintain the same level of coverage as the actives were receiving I know there were many departments back in the 80s that didn't have prescription riders or didn't have optical plans. Those were gained by the active employees and then passed on to the retirees. The pendulum has swung and now conversely, uh, the retiree, or I'm sorry, the active employees are paying more for their health care and the retirees are being affected by that. And it's it's more difficult, I would assume, for for the retirees. They're on fixed incomes. They're getting older. They don't have the necessarily financial resources that many of the active employees have, and now it's becoming more of a hardship for them. But Doug is absolutely correct. You have to look at the language that you had. And at one time it was a benefit, and now it's becoming a detriment. So the current employees are. It's necessary for them to negotiate knowing what's going to be facing them in their retirement and trying to work the best deal out at the table that they can for their retiree health care. And right now, that appears to be having at least the same level of benefits you had at the date of separation. Yeah. So then you know what you have. Yeah. Uh, Doug, are these technically union matters or a union issue because these people are no longer employed and, and they haven't been paying dues? So. I mean, I know that POM and, and yourself and our, and our staff wants to help those people as much as we can, but technically, are th- is this a, a union issue? Well, there's no, it's not a yes-no answer to that question. The, the initial part would be, well, no, obviously, once an individual retires, everything converts really to an individual claim. It's a breach of contract under the collective bargaining agreement. But where I would say that it is a union issue is that the collective bargaining process is governed by the union. And so we're negotiating the benefit levels for potential or future retirees. So from that standpoint, yes, it's a union issue and it's of concern to the union as a whole. But if the employer makes changes to a collective bargaining or makes changes to retirement benefits uh, after, you know, an individual is left under a particular collective bargaining agreement, technically that is the union doesn't have standing to, to go to arbitration. They don't have standing to sue on an individual's behalf or a group's behalf. The individual has that right uh, to pursue a a breach of contract. It's the LaFontaine Red Tag Event, where you can lease a new 2010 Chevy Malibu LS for $289 a month for 27 months and 12,000 miles per year. No money do it signing. You heard that right. No money do it signing. Just sign and drive. You won't beat these deals anywhere. Offer ends December 31st, 2010. Call 866-LAFONTAINE. That's 866-LAFONTAINE. Or visit us on the web at familydeal.com. Doug, you recently uh, prevailed on a case in Oakland County Circuit Court on behalf of uh, some Oak Park public safety officers, uh, Kevin Loftus being one of them, one of the plaintiffs in that case. Um, They had retired, and there had been a change to their health care. I think it was in copay. But can you comment on that case? Yeah, I mean, the the case was was a straight contract breach. Uh, The Oak Park officers, uh, before they retired, 
there was a group of them that knew that retirement was coming up for a large number of the Oak Park officers. And the contract that they sat down and negotiated, it was a, it was intended, and they had specific intent to make sure that the language that they had in their collective bargaining agreement was as ironclad as possible. They actually had previous language that would have allowed for the city to change their retirement prescription levels after they retired. So they actually gave stuff up in, during the course of their negotiation to obtain specific language under the collective bargaining agreement allowing for them to know exactly what their prescription co-pays would be throughout their retirement. The employer still changed it. I mean, even though they sat down and negotiated, the employer had a different interpretation of that contract. Now, what Oak Park did that was really important to the case was they had specific language that entitled them to the benefits that they had at the date of separation. They didn't leave it open to an ambiguous or an interpretation of the court. They they sat down and got specific language. And that's, Kevin, you negotiated that language, and I know there's more to, I mean, you were really encouraged to take that package. You and I believe five other public safety officers, you were all very vocal officers, and I, I think the administration probably uh, tried to entice you to leave, but you negotiated that language, so. Yes, you know, our bargaining team noted that changes were going for our active health care that would probably diminish benefits in the future. We locked in benefits at the date of separation. It was well known, both sides intended exactly what the language said. There was nothing that one side was pulling on the other side, and unfortunately, uh, the city of Oak Park, and it's becoming more prevalent out there that employers are changing retiree health care, even if the language is ironclad, because they know that they have more money than an individual plaintiff, and they the plaintiffs can't afford the court cases. And that's an, another problem that we're seeing these days, is that it, it's almost a bully factor, and there's no doubt that the cities are facing some very serious financial times, but um, the law is, and my understanding is, is that you can change the benefits that you're entitled to by the contract at the time that you left. Right. Um, both of you guys were involved in uh, in uh, a, another issue in Shelby Township. I know in Oak Park, this it, 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 at least it seemed to me to be a very clear case. This one may be not so easy, but can well, you comment a little bit about it, Doug? Yeah, let's go back to the Oak Park thing real yeah. quick. Even though we all agree that the language was very clear and unambiguous, <laughs> right. ultimately the court agreed with us. But they didn't grant the motion for summary, which is just based upon the language of the contract. They actually made us go to trial on that. So the expense involved in, in litigating this type of issue, uh, if you're changing from, let's say, a $5 copay to a $10 copay, the cost to the individual far outweighs the, whatever they're going to receive in damages or in benefits uh, to pursuing that claim. And the employer is well aware of that. So as Kevin was saying, it's they have deeper pockets, so they're able to make these changes and then force the individual to try to pursue it. The difference in, in the Oak Park case and the Shelby case goes back to the very first question of, you know, what do you look at? That is, there was different contract language in Shelby Township as there was in, in Oak Park. Oak Park, they negotiated a specific contract, and there's, there's I think, four cases uh, either currently ongoing or have uh, been filed in Shelby Township. One, uh, I represented the uh, group of patrol officers, and it was a small group. In that case, we were able to resolve. Uh, there's two command cases that are currently active, and then there's also a 312, which is a third uh, retirement benefit case uh, being handled by POAM through George Mertz. Uh, 
but the contract language is different. And in that case, they had a 312 award where the 312 arbitrator had changed the retirement language for retirees in, a, in the 312 proceeding. So they didn't get a chance to negotiate their retirement benefits. It was actually changed by 312 arbitrator. And that's the last two contracts I think they've had out there have gone through 312. The one that we currently have that I'm representing the group of command officers on, they had very specific language that was negotiated. Uh, the group of individuals who retired in that case, under the contract, they have not changed. The, the issue here is we had an hiatus period where a contract had expired, the officers stayed on, they retired during the hiatus period before any 312 filings or any type of um, negotiations really had taken, meaningful negotiations had taken place on a new contract, and they received the benefit levels of their old contract because they all stay in place. All wages, terms, and other hours of conditions of employment will stay in place during that hiatus period. Right. Well, the employer uh, this year has decided that they're going to go back and change their benefit levels, and they hadn't done that in the past. And they're arguing now that because there was a hiatus period, that they're covered by the 312 award that occurred you know, a couple years later and right. was made retroactive. Right. And so now you got this court battle over what actual what are their actual benefits. Right. And that's what we got in three twelve. That's what we got right now in Shelby. And I wanted to note too that when you mentioned uh, those the people on the in that three twelve case were being represented by George Murch, that George Murch is, is also an assistant general counsel for POEM as well too. That is correct. The LaFontaine Red Tag event is almost over, and it's your last chance to lease a 2010 Chrysler Town & Country for $179 a month for 36 months, or buy a 2010 Chrysler Sebring with an employee cash price of $11,997 for $139 a month. But hurry, because we only have four left. We also have over 100 available minivans. Call 866-LAFONTAINE. That's 866-LAFONTAINE. Or visit us on the web at FamilyDeal.com. A lot of calls that I've been getting, people are trying to calculate uh, their benefit level or whether they should retire now at the end or just before the expiration of a current collective bargaining agreement. Or a lot of times they might only need to want to work six more months, but they're worried that, hey, if they stay on past the first of the year, that if a new collective bargaining agreement that changes retiree health care is in place, that they may be affected by that. I think the answer is, is I think I know what the answer is, but I'll, I'll, I'll bow to you guys and, and give me the answer. I know people have to do the mathematics and the arithmetic, and they have to weigh, put both on a scale and see which one weighs more when they're making that determination whether they should go or not. Yes, okay. <laughs> that's true. It's an individual decision. The POAM's position on the, on the matter in a general sense is if you want to know what your benefit levels are and you want to know what you're going to receive in retirement, leave under the contract before it expires. That way you know. You right. don't have the – it doesn't mean the employer is not going to change your benefit levels down the road. You can't control what the employer is going to do. You, you can react by filing a lawsuit and trying to protect your interests, but you, you never have – any type of certainty on what the employer is going to do. That's an, uh, you, know, you have no control over that. But what you do have control over is the language in the contract, and you eliminate the argument that you, know, you retired under a hiatus period and that they're free to change things. And you know what? In every situation is different as well. If someone's 
maybe just uh, maybe they're on the negotiating committee and they want to assist some new executive board members through that process um, and they're they're planning on only staying on for six or seven months that may be a whole different issue with someone who thinks they may need to work two or two and a half years into a, a new three-year collective bargaining agreement and if you're going to be counting on retiree health care for three years or five years or 10 or 12 years you have to do the math and figure out, you know, what's best for you knowing knowing all the facts. And knowing, like like you said, Doug, is that that doesn't mean we can stop the employer from trying to unilaterally make a change to health care. That's correct. Yeah. Um, Doug, you've gone on the record as discounting intention in negotiations uh, in favor of strong, concise language. Can you well, elaborate on that a little yeah, bit? That's a legal issue, and that is that a contract says basically what a contract says. So if you can read a contract and it's clear and unambiguous, regardless of the party's intent, unless there's a, a mutual mistake, the contract is going to, whatever the contract language says, that's going to control the issue. So that's why you got to get clear and concise and specific language. You don't want to leave open anything to interpretation by a court. Sit down and get what it is you want in writing from the employer. Right. And it's better to sit down and put all your cards on the table and say, look, this is what we're looking for and this is what you know, the intent is and we want to make sure the language reflects the intent. We don't want to leave it to, up to interpretation of what the intent of the parties was. If you want to have in the contract that we're going to receive a $10 copay uh, on the date of separation and continue throughout our retirement, put that language in your contract. Uh, Kevin, as a POEM research analyst and business agent, can you tell us how arbitrators are finding on health care retirement issues? That's There's no black and white answer. It depends on the individual circumstances, the benefits that the individuals in that department receive. Usually what I'm seeing from an, a broad overview is that retire or arbitrators are reluctant to change retiree health care for people already in the system getting close to retirement. It's not fair to somebody who's been there for 20 years and has five years left to go to say now you'll be in a health savings account when they haven't had 25 years to accumulate that. But what is becoming very prevalent is for new hires and people under a certain level are being forced into different types of health care and those are being the most adversely affected. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what a, a, how a, HSAs and VIBAs work? And are they a legitimate alternative? Sure, I, I don't believe that they would be if you've already put 20 years in, but are they a legitimate alternative for someone who's starting new as a new employee? Definitely they are, but health care is the unknown. The costs are rising. There's the whole concern now of national health care. Nobody knows where we're going to be, especially a new employee coming on thinking I'm going to work in a certain environment or employer for 25 years to know exactly what health care will be in that time. I think most people are pretty confident it won't be as we know it today without some drastic form of reform. Yeah, that's nobody's, for sure. nobody's going to be able to afford it, the employers or the individuals. But basically, um, employers and the unions would come to some form of an agreement in the contract that there would be a retiree health savings account. HSA. There are HSAs for active employees and there's retiree health savings account that go to a separate form only to be used when the employee retires. Oh, okay. And then many times, for example, an employer will put in 3% and an employee will put in 1% with the ability to pay up to a certain percentage. That money is specifically for retiree health care. It can't be used 
anytime now um, prior to retirement. There are plans, health savings accounts, where uh, the employer will take out a high deductible health care plan, a 2000 for a single, 4000 for a family. We'll either give a portion of that money to the uh, individual active employees or fund the whole difference. The benefits are, if, let's say, it's uh, they'll pay $1,500 out of the 2000 for the uh, health savings account. That money is the employee's money. It rolls over from year to year. So if you don't use it, it rolls over for the next year and you have that money up until you, you, know, you retire or you die. Um, you also accept the liability that if you go over the right. fifteen hundred, you have that. But you know, as a profession, generally, law enforcement officers are in pretty good health. But you know, we're all we're all from the public. We all have illnesses and injuries, and our families have illnesses and injuries. But those are individual choices. But healthcare is the uh, is the unknown out there, and we see it in every contract. It's the sticking point in almost every contract. Yeah, and and it's it's hard to figure out exactly how much you should put in there to to fund you uh, you know uh, those needs five years later or ten years later. So um, certainly they have to be funded to what's an adequate level today, and maybe even take into consideration you know the escalating healthcare costs five and ten years down the road as well. Doug, what are the costs associated with filing a lawsuit if if uh, one did believe there was a breach of contract? And uh, what would be the strategy for minimizing, you know, uh, an individual's financial exposure? Well, you want to make sure that you have everybody affected within a group involved in the litigation, number one. Uh, number two, you're going to have costs that are, some of them are set by the court. You have $150 right up, right up front for the filing the complaint. And then you have uh, transcript fees. You're going to have motion costs. Uh, but you're also going to have mediation costs. You're going to have case evaluation costs. All those things have to be paid out of pocket in form of the, from the plaintiffs in the form of fees uh, to the attorney. Plus, you're also going to have attorney fees. Right. So you're talking uh, thousands of dollars to pursue litigation on these matters. And you got to really look and see if it's cost effective based upon what the changes are by your employer. So what you want to do really before you do anything is if they make changes, put them on notice. Put the employer on notice. Send a letter out saying, I don't agree with these changes. Uh, and I'm going to reserve my legal rights. And right. That way you put them on notice. You have a six-year, in most cases you have a breach of contract, I think is a six-year statute of limitations. So you have six years from the date they change something. But what you want to avoid is not doing anything, they change it, and then the arguments made you acquiesce to the changes because they make subsequent changes and now you're upset. Right. Well, put them on notice, at least preserving your rights. But there are substantial costs associated with it. Because right. whether it's a one-person lawsuit, a two-person lawsuit, or a hundred-person lawsuit, the work by the attorney is going to be largely the same. Right. And so it's going to take a lot of hours to, to do a case. It's expensive. Yeah. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you for your input today. And uh, we also want to encourage all members uh, to call the POAM office. Uh, Kevin, what should a retiree do if, I mean, they feel that they've been breached? What, I mean, should they... What should they do first? Well, I think first they should talk to the employer to make sure that they really understand what is actually happening. And, you know, rumor mills go out and everybody thinks uh, they have a story that may not be totally accurate. Probably the first step I would recommend is call the employer and see exactly what's happening. Hopefully the employer has notified the retiree what will be changing. Then he should probably talk to his active people in the union, see what's being done about it at that point in time. 
Um, absent any resolution at that point in time, you could call and, and speak to an attorney. We have attorneys who may handle those cases. Uh, you could call and ask somebody in our office, one of the business agents, for advice on exactly what it is. But it goes back to what Doug said originally is know what your contract says and what the, the conditions of that contract are because that's what you're bound by. Uh, Kevin, thanks. Doug, thanks again for your input. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another edition of the POAM podcast radio show. I want to remind you that each and every month you can find every single podcast online on Apple iTunes. Just search for POAM. They're also available for download or for live listen on our website. Visit us at POAM.net. Get on our newsletter and send us all of your comments and suggestions for future shows. Mm -hmm.